if you were there. The palm branches on the ground, cloaks and clothing taken off to give honor and homage to this king, this prophet. Just imagine for a second with me if you were actually there. Maybe it went down something like this. You are just bartering in the city confines of Jerusalem and a little chit-chatter arose. People started to, a buzz started to happen in the market and people are talking about something happening outside the city and soon a, a mob starts to form. You go out with this mob at one of the eastern gates and a silly sight. It's actually a little bit strange because here comes a man not riding victoriously on a horse, but here comes this prophet that you've heard about and he's on a donkey and Again, the palm branches are being strewn at the feet of the donkey as Jesus, this prophet, passes by. Cloaks are being thrown off. Just imagine if you were there. Eventually, you would come to understand that this is how it went down. I'm reading from Matthew 21, 1 through 11. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, they being Jesus... His disciples, and a little crowd was gathering. And the crowd was really energized because John's gospel seems to indicate that they had really been jazzed by this whole resurrection of Lazarus thing. I mean, can you imagine if someone gets raised from the dead? That kind of that creates a little buzz, doesn't it? And so, man, they're following Jesus to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives. And then Jesus sends two of his own saying to them, hey, go into this village here in front of you. And immediately, immediately, you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them. Anyone, if you guys remember Star Wars, you know, these aren't the droids you're looking for. (laughs) Somehow it works. Jesus has got magic Jedi powers. It's awesome. Verse 4, this took place. So that he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, and he quotes from Zechariah, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is come to you, coming to you, excuse me, humble, mounted on a donkey. That's weird. On a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. So the disciples used their Jedi powers, and they went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put them on their cloaks and sat so, yeah, put them on their cloaks, and he sat on them. Sorry, put on them their cloaks. Put the, on, the, on the cloaks, on the donkey, came the cloaks. And then Jesus got on the cloaks, on the donkey. Okay, there we go. Prepositions. Okay. And here's verse, verse 8. This is great. Most of the crowd, or as other translations say, the large crowd, spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And I'm... I'm interested in this verse today, 8 and then 9. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And then, and you have to picture, he he had coming down from Mount of Olives to this little ravine and then coming up the hill to Jerusalem. This is all happening on the east side of Jerusalem. And it says, when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, right? You were there with them. Who is this? 
And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. That's how it went down. Can you imagine? And what I'm interested in this morning is this idea of surrender. Everyone just say surrender. What a powerful picture of surrender that the palm branches were on the ground, that the cloaks were taken off to give honor to this prophet coming through. What an incredible sign of surrender. And how controversial it was. You know, when John's gospel says about this story, that the, the Pharisees, they saw this going down and they said, dang it, the whole world's following him. And I think it's Luke's gospel that the Pharisees actually come out and say to Jesus, Jesus, stop them. This is heresy, basically. This is crazy. And Jesus says, hey, if they don't do it, guess who will? Very rocks will cry out in worship. Pretty intense, huh? Imagine if you were there. And imagine if you had the same act of surrender. Down go the palm branches. Down go the cloaks. Because what I want to trace for us today is from this moment of the triumphal entry all the way to Pentecost, what surrender looks like. And I want us to think about surrender today. How hard was it to surrender at the triumphal entry? Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead. Being on Jesus' side is a lot of fun, right? Because plus he's coming in as the countercultural guy. Maybe he's the Messiah we've hoped for. Maybe he will help us get out of Roman oppression. It's easy at that point to surrender to him. But as the week unfolds, what about the next day even? If you were there, if I were there, would we have been a little bit bothered when Jesus goes ballistic clearing the temple? That, I, I don't know about you, but when there's high emotion in public places, I feel weird, you know? If someone gets in a fight on the train, I remember actually one day after teaching high school, uh, driving down the street just back home, and I saw an altercation where something happened at a stop sign, and like two big guys both got out of their big SUVs, and they had their big dogs in the back, and they started to go to fisticuffs. And I just drove on by. I, I can't remember if I called 911, but it looks like 911 had been called because shortly after leaving that place, you know, the cruisers were coming. But I felt awkward. I felt uncomfortable when I see two guys go to fisticuffs at a stoplight. <clears throat> what would you have done if you were there when Jesus cleared the temple? Might you backpedal a little bit and say, ah, Jesus, a little bit too much, a little bit weird. What about as Hosanna turned to crucify him? Would you have been, hey, I'm all up for Jesus right now. (laughs) Would you be that one that stood out in the crowd and say, wait, don't crucify him? At the crucifixion, who's there? We know the women were there. They were still willing to be surrendered to him. Faithful women that they were. But now, on to resurrection and Pentecost. Isn't it great? Jesus raises from the dead. We'll look at that next week. And as Liz mentioned, it's Thomas's journey in particular. But what about what, after the resurrection and then Pentecost, we learn from Acts that it's about 120 that have stuck around. 
to that huge crowd that had been there at the triumphal entry has been whittled down post-resurrection and into waiting for this empowerment to come from on high. It's about 120. And what I propose for us today is that those who stay surrendered are the ones who get empowered. Right? Those who stay surrendered to Jesus. Those 120, there's something about them that I want to latch on to today. There's something about the 120 that were faithful enough to Jesus, able to see the big picture. They stayed surrendered. And they're the ones who got empowered. Those who stay surrendered get empowered. I believe that with all my heart. Those who stay surrendered are the ones who get empowered. So the question for us today is, what does surrender look like? And what does it mean to stay surrendered? What does surrender look like? What is Jesus asking of us? And what does it look like to stay surrendered? What does it look like to be putting the palm branches down every day? What does it look like to be throwing your cloak down before King Jesus on his goofy donkey every day? And I want to suggest five things today. That when I think about staying surrendered, when I think about specifically our body, this wonderful group of people that God's collected in this time, 21st century, North Shore, New England, called the harbor, I think there's five things that stand out to me as far as these are the ways that we can stay surrendered. Believing that those who stay surrendered get empowered, right? If we go through the trial long enough, if we stay in the game faithfully enough, man, God's so good. He's willing to pour out power on us. Let's see how. The first way that I see God's invitation to us to stay surrendered is to not give up the sin fight. To not give up that fight against sin. To stay in the transformational game, right? Don't give up that sin fight. Can I tell you that in these last six weeks, my most favorite meeting of the week has been the small group that we've been involved in called Conquer. Men trying to get out of sexual addiction and walk more pure than ever before. And do you know why it's so fun for me? Because when God shows up, when men are hungry, people for that matter, doesn't. I'm not saying men are women, but I'm saying when people are hungry for God, God's presence comes. And I get around these brothers and I say, yes, here are some brothers who are saying, I'm not going to go easy. I'm going to keep fighting this thing. I want to get free from the sin in my life. I want to walk in full purity. Help me. And man, that's a fun place to be. When you get a group of people saying, we need God because we're in this thing, it gets so fun. And let's remember together, what were the words of this man who had come riding down the hill from Mount of Olives, riding up Jerusalem on a donkey? What were his words? Remember what he said just probably a couple of years before? He had said, if your right eye causes you to sin... Pluck it out. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. In other words, Jesus was suggesting some pretty radical approaches to sin. And we just say, oh, I'm wired that way. Sorry. You know, we have all these elaborate defense mechanisms of why we can't change. But Jesus is saying, you can. And you can rule your own spirit. And you can rule your own soul. And you can rule your behavior. And here's how. And if it takes getting radical, then you just do it. Amen? So the number one way we stay surrendered is we stay in. That fight against sin. <laughs> it's okay. Caitlin Scott Leslie's just getting attacked by chairs. Thank you, Lord Protector. In Jesus' name. Okay. <laughs> uh, wasn't Caitlin great in the video? Weren't they all great in the video? That's awesome. 
Who should you navigate? Everybody. Love that answer. Good job, Kaylin. <clears throat> All right. Second thing. We stay surrendered by not giving up the sin fight. Second thing is we stay surrendered by choosing a kingdom path. Choosing a kingdom path. And maybe I want to rephrase this and say being willing to ask the question to God, what does the kingdom path look like for me? And this is what I mean. You saw an incredibly articulate woman, the director of our training school, Beth Price, share about the training school. Let me tell you about Beth. I just want to brag on her for a second. Beth has her Master's of Fine Arts from Emory, right? Emerson, sorry, not, not, not Georgia, sorry. I want to go there sometimes. Uh, from Emerson right in Boston. Beth is a professor at Montserrat. Uh, she teaches English there. And I mean, honestly, Beth could easily have just gone on the full professorship, let me head towards PhD, let me do the academic thing, which is a great thing to do. As It's just not a bad thing. There's not a value judgment I'm giving here. But somewhere along the way, God got a hold of Beth's heart and said, you know what? My purpose is in the nation's. I'm looking for people. This is Jesus speaking, saying, I'm looking for people who can kind of lean their head on my chest, hear my heartbeat for the nations, and do something about it. And Beth said yes. Somewhere along the line, she asked the question, God, what's your will for my life? If it's to glorify you by academic pursuits, then let me do it. But if you want me to be a champion for the nations... Psalm 2, the book of Revelation, you know, saying every tongue and tribe and nation should have some place, or every tongue and tribe and nation should have people worshiping you, and you want me to be part of it? I'm game. That's Beth Price. So she asked the question somewhere along the line. She said, Lord, what's the kingdom path look like for me? Or we've heard a lot lately from Elizabeth Gilman. Same kind of thing. Elizabeth is a mid-career upper management professional in a tech firm. In some senses, she's really all set. But again, somewhere along the line, you heard her also on the video. She said, God's purpose is for the nations. Trump my career right now. Somewhere along the line, Elizabeth asked the question, God, what does the kingdom path look like for me? And I'm willing to take whatever risk it is. Now, you need to work it out with the Lord. But I'm just encouraging you. Will you please just ask the question about the kingdom path? What did Jesus say? Again, this man who we're honoring today is with the palms and the cloaks. What did he say? He said that, what does it profit a man? This is Mark 8. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his own soul? Two chapters later in Mark 10, the disciples ask him, or there's a little repartee there, and and uh, they're kind of like, hey, what about us? We've left everything. And Jesus says, you know what? No one who leaves husband and wife and sons and daughters and lands for my sake won't receive a hundred times more in this life with persecutions and in the life to come. Or Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. And I think God's looking for who. Where are the other Beth Prices? Where are the other Elizabeth Gilmans who are saying, I'll give it up for the kingdom, believing that God is going to give me back a hundredfold in this life with some persecutions, right? There's trial. There's trouble. There is, we are opposed, especially the more we get on a kingdom path, but and in the life to come. So the second way we stay surrendered is, I just want you to ask the question. In 1997, I was doing great as a middle school English teacher. 
I was at a private school. Kids were getting baptized. I was baptizing my own students. All of a sudden, fruit was coming. But I asked the question, God, I'm really digging this Christian school thing. Like, I get it. I love education. I love the idea of Christian education. I think it's wonderful. And I'm bearing fruit. People who are coming to our school because they just know it's a good alternative to the public school. This is in central Texas. They're coming, and I'm going to share the gospel in class. We're bearing fruit. But I ask God, Lord, there's a team that's going to Boston. It's going to plant a church. And I said, Lord, what is your desire? And I felt like what the Lord spoke back to me in that moment was, I have many people who can teach in a Christian school. I don't have that many who will go plant a church. Will you do that, Neil? That's what God spoke to me. And I just asked the question. Ten years later, in 2007, Kelsey and I were bearing incredible fruit in Young Life ministry at the school that I was teaching at. And we had labored hard for two years. This is not an easy ground to break. But finally, we were seeing breakthrough with students. But God came. And I had to ask him the question, God, do I stay where we're bearing fruit here? Or this invitation that's being brought to me to plant a church on the North Shore, is that where you want me? And I felt like God said, it's a very similar kind of thing. God said, why don't you do this adventure with me? Actually, he spoke through the... The, the, the feeding of the 5,000. said, basically he was saying, you give them something to eat. You go feed them on the North Shore and watch what provision I do and I provide for. Amen? So I'm just saying, have you asked the question lately? Lord, what does the kingdom path look like for me? I'm not trying to bring anxiety on you or, or fear. In the love of God, he speaks lovingly to you. But some of you just got to ask the question. Amen? Awesome. Okay. So keeping the sin fight, we are... Uh, asking the kingdom question about the kingdom path for you personally. And man, I'm just longing for this church. Um, we have, uh, please hear my heart. I am longing for as much excellence as possible in this, in, in, in this staff of this church. We've got excellence that's here, and I want more. I'm sick of business getting all the, the excellence, right? It used to be government, really. Back in the day, it was really a good thing to be a politician. It was like a pretty good deal. That's not quite the case anymore. But I just want some of the excellence to come in the leadership of the church. Amen? Come on. So someone ask the Lord and see what he says. Okay. Third thing. (laughs) Third thing. Pressing into relationships. The third thing we do to stay surrendered to to Jesus, keep that palm branch down, keep the cloak on the ground, is we press into relationships. For me, maybe it's just my, (laughs) my problem, but for me... Not a week goes by where I found myself in some sort of conflict or tussle or whatever with someone somewhere. That's, that we're having to spend extra energy to understand each other, to hear each other, and to get past conflict into intimacy as the cycle goes. And that's really fun because that's floating and I'm just going to chase it. Okay. Sorry. <clears throat> Kelsey's used to this. ADD. Sorry. I'm, I, I have some issues. Okay. So... <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So not a week goes by where something's not going on with someone. But there's a resolve in my heart. And that is that it matters to press into relationships. Because the kingdom of God is all about relationships. Amen? Anyone else still distracted by that floating over the drum set? (laughs) I love that thing. It'll just be our Holy Spirit like, here he is. God's here. Okay, Cullen, thank you. Oh! (laughs) Okay. Lost our blowing at it. Okay. (laughs) 
you know, just uh, two Tuesdays ago, it was in the um, in our marriage seminar, the Marriage Tuesdays. The last thing we did together as married couples was go through the personality thing, where we figure out kind of how are you internally wired, how are you motivated personality wise. Now, what's the purpose of that? Is the purpose of that so you can just go to your spouse and say, "This is who I am. Dang it, deal with it." <laughs> Kelsey would say no, <laughs> but the purpose is so we can know the other. And figure out how to love and bless the other. And when we are in conflict, we get low. Okay? So another mark of kingdom people, another mark of people who are surrendered is that they press into relationships when it gets tough. Jesus said it tons of ways, didn't he? He said, love your enemy. He said, how many times we need to forgive? Seven times 70. Right? And actually, when he was asked the question, who is my neighbor? What did he say? He chose one of the most offensive people to say, that's a neighbor. And so those people that bug you, the one you get easily offended by, that's your neighbor. And Jesus is saying, staying surrendered to me by pressing into that relationship. Amen? Okay, we're staying surrendered. Fourth thing we'll do after not giving up the sin fight, after choosing a kingdom path, or at least asking the question, and pressing relationships, the fourth thing we do is we stay generous. Okay, we stay generous. We've heard about this, right? Let me, let me deviate for a second here. This whole series has been entrusted, empowered. We've, we've received how we've been entrusted by God. How? We've been entrusted by God with status. You know, we're sons, we're daughters. We have access, we have authority. We're entrusted by God with finances. And we've said, hey, it's better to stay out of debt. It's better to give until it hurts, until it doesn't hurt. We've said we've been entrusted with relationships, relationships in the church that we need to steward well, and just friendships in general that we know, need to know how to operate in. And now, just tagging back on these two financial ones, we're saying we've been entrusted with much. Let's stay generous, right? Some of us, we're so indebted, we say, how can I be generous? We just kind of opt out of the generosity thing. Or you're on the other end of the spectrum, and you say, well, I finally arrived. Like, I paid my debt, I'm free, and... I'm good. I'm finally safe. I don't want to be generous anymore. But we stay surrendered by staying generous. You know how much Warren Buffett gave away this year? <laughs> it could pay for a few church staffs. That's for sure. $3.084 billion. That's what he gave away this year. <clears throat> and Warren Buffett with uh, Bill Gates, they're part of this giving pledge. And they've pledged to give more than half of their assets before they die. That's their goal. And uh, actually, uh, Warren Buffett gave a huge bunch away uh, to Bill Gates' Giving Foundation. So they're just having a giving party, these two guys, which is a lot of fun. I mean, it should be a great example for the church. Amen? They're just having this awesome giving party. So we're impressed by Warren Buffett. I'm impressed. I just think, this is a cool guy. He's got about $46 billion to blow. And... Uh, well, that must be nice. <clears throat> but who did Jesus esteem in regards to this? Do you remember Luke 21? He saw, probably out of the corner of his eye, the widow who gave her two mites. He says, there's the kingdom right there. Because she gave all that she had to live on. She had figured out how to stay generous, even when she felt like he had nothing. Can you and I do the same thing? Amen. We stay generous. And lastly... This is how I think God is calling our body in particular to stay surrendered. The fifth thing is, 
hungering for his presence. Never stop hungering for his presence. Always stay soft and tender to God. So that anytime you open this book, anytime you read this Bible, anytime you get in a corporate setting to say, God, let your presence come. Anytime you get in a small group setting, and it might be a little awkward, there's two or three of you, let's pray, uh, you go, me go, I don't know, you want to pray, I'll pray, you pray. Just whatever, no matter what the situation, that God's presence wants to come. Let us not stop hungering for his presence. Man, it's not always angels and trumpets for me, but pretty much on a regular basis, as I just open the word, say, God, I'm a little weak today, feeling a little tired, frustrated, whatever. When I open the word and say, okay, Lord, teach me something, his presence comes. And that rhythm is not just for clergy, okay? That rhythm of getting into God's presence daily and enjoying him, enjoying him speaking to you and having his presence come, it's for all of us, amen? Oh, don't stop hungering for his presence. Stay surrendered to him by ordering your daily life around meeting with God as the hallmark of your day. Back to this 120. These guys just stayed surrendered. You know what they were doing when, when Pentecost came? When the fire came? All that stuff. Do you know what they were doing for a couple of weeks? I know this doesn't sound <coughs> super exciting all the time, but they were just praying. Okay, they gathered together. But I guarantee the reason they gathered together was not just like, ho-hum, let's pray, you know. But they'd just been with the resurrected Jesus. They'd just seen him taken up into glory. And so they're just having this continual conversation with him. Jesus, that was cool. You told us to wait and stay. So we're waiting and staying. We're going to talk to you while it's happening. We know you're right up there. That's for you and me. Can we talk to him with that same expectation? Can we communicate with him when we worship? Just knowing he's right there and he's imminent. Actually, he's living right inside us. It's the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's hunger for his presence. So church, let's stay surrendered. Let's stay surrendered. I want to end with um, another one of Jesus' teachings because it's a great way for us to end uh, the series also on being entrusted and the fact that God wants to empower us. We've been entrusted with much and he wants to empower us. He empowers those who stay surrendered. Keep that in mind as we read this story. This is from Luke 12. And Jesus is... uh, Sharing a little bit of a kingdom truth here. Luke 12, I'm at verse 42, 41. We'll say 42. And the Lord said, he's giving a parable. Jesus said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over a household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master's delayed in coming, begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. In other words, a total picture of non-surrender to the will of the master at all. This is intense, but it says the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not know, does not expect him. And at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces. Again, that's pretty harsh. And put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. But this is the key right here. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. 
And from him to whom they entrusted much, much they will demand the more. So I'm saying, friends, we have been entrusted with much. God is willing to empower us with much so we can do all that he wants with what he's given us. But it's going to take surrender to get that empowerment. Amen? Those who stay surrendered get empowered. Those who stay surrendered get empowered. Who wants to get empowered today? I don't like that. Let's try it again. (laughs) Who wants to get empowered today? Come on. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. There are palm branches. Jesus just walked over them. I don't know if you saw them. And what I'm inviting you to do, we're going to respond to God. Um, Why don't you guys stand up? What I want you to do, if one of these areas in particular, or more than one, has been like, yes, Lord, I want to surrender in this way, then what I want you to invite to do, just it's going to be you and God, although it's a little bit hard because everyone's going to see you too, but that's not the point. But um, you just grab one of these palm branches off the floor, and you just lay that palm branch on this platform and say, Jesus, I surrender again. I surrender my vocation. I surrender my finances. I surrender all because I trust you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Holy